some fun tonight. It is going to be, well, a bit of a different show than you are used to, as you can probably tell in about the old first 15 seconds of it. (laughs) We do it a little different on The Jesse Kelly Show. Uh, Yeah, I get mad from time to time. That's inevitable. May or may not get mad tonight. I'll try to avoid that, but... We don't have to be miserable when we fight the communists, do we? Can we not have some fun and laugh? We have fun and we laugh on this show. Here's what we have. Allow me to allow me to set the table for you tonight because I realize this is a new show for oh about a million of you right about now. <laughs> I'm Jesse Kelly. I am uneducated. Uh, almost three years of community college credits, but I am uneducated. I'm a construction dude. I was a Marine. That was about, oh, 30 pounds ago. And I like to laugh. I'm obsessed with history, and I despise communists. I think the right has gotten soft and weak, and we have a long way to go. What are you going to hear tonight? Well, you're going to hear my first guest on the new national launch of the show. Somebody, maybe you've heard of him before. My buddy Tucker Carlson's joining us in about 23 minutes from now. It's going to be a hard-hitting interview. I should warn you, we're going to find out what Tucker Carlson eats at a gas station when he stops and he's hungry. What, Chris? Producer Chris is here. He does get frustrated with me. I'll be frank. Right before the music started on the show, because this is obviously, obviously brand new. Right before the music started on the show, Chris is a nervous wreck. He's a nervous wreck. He's bouncing off the walls and everything. And I was laughing at a meme a buddy sent me that's completely inappropriate. I will not be posting it on the public page. And he looks at me and says, I don't know how you're so calm. I'm not changing the world with this show. We're going to joke about this idiot athlete who snubbed the Star Spangled Banner. We're going to talk about a drunk driver who's driven into the same home 10 times, how Nike is helping destroy the United States of America. We're going to do Medal of Honor Monday. I'll explain what that is. That's going to be about an hour from now where we honor one of our heroes. We're going to do all these things, but I'll tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm, one, not going to make you miserable and I'm not going to make me miserable. I have about 15 to 20 minutes with you every single day. Most likely on your drive home. Maybe you're finishing up work on another show's on at different times. I am not your fearless leader. I'm not changing the world. My job is to make your day a little bit better. And that's about it. So what's there to be nervous about, Chris? Just because the show blew up just a little bit. <laughs> and look, my buddy Buck Sexton, I understand you're usually, you're used to hearing his voice. He's a close personal friend of mine. He obviously moved on to the now humongous uh, Clay and Buck show. I was talking with him this weekend. We, we were joking about some things. And he said to me, he said, you understand your audience is going to be just primed for you after all these years of me, right? And I said, yeah, but you understand I'm going to take all the credit for that and give you none, right? <laughs> all right. Let's, get, let's dig into something right off the bat here. This, this number one story everywhere today. I, I mean, it, it was a number one all over the weekend. This idiot, Gwen Berry is her name. She competed in the hammer throw. It's an Olympic event 
where they take these hammers, the kind you use with nails, and they throw them across the field. Quit, Chris. That's not what it. I know that's not what it is. I was seeing if people were paying attention. Anyway, she competed in the hammer throw. She got third. And I realized everyone's ripping on her because she got third and then made a jerk of herself. I'm actually pretty sure I would throw my back out if I picked up one of those hammers at this point in time. But still, she got third in the event. She gets up on the podium. Of course, you have the gold and silver winners as they play the anthem, hands over their heart, looking at the American flag. This is the moment you dream about if you're an Olympic athlete, right? I mean, it's, it's just... I'm assuming if you're in a sport where you're not going to go pro, I mean, you're not really going to go pro and hammer throwing, the Olympics is the pinnacle. And now you're going to go represent your country in Tokyo and hopefully defeat that communist scum in China and, and whatnot. This, this is your great moment, and you're serving your country. So you have two standing up, hand over the heart, looking up at the flag, and of course you have this idiot. She has to throw some kind of activist shirt over her head, She turns away from the flag. This has been national news. You've heard a thousand people talk about this already today. It's national news. Went up there and made an idiot of herself. I'm going to make you feel really good about this story and then really bad about this story. And I'll be honest, I wasn't sure which one I'm going to go with first. So let's go with good because there's going to be plenty of bad we can unpack with this. Have you seen any pictures of Gwen Berry? Not about her physical appearance, by the way. I don't do much physical appearance stuff. We'll make the occasional feminist joke from time to time, but I don't do the feminist stuff. I don't do the physical appearance stuff. But have you seen a picture of Gwen Berry? Do me a favor right now. As long as you're not driving, Google image search Gwen Berry. Just whatever your search engine. Look at her face. Find an up-close one of her face. Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. Does that look like a joyful human being to you? I don't even know what picture you're looking at. See, Chris just looked it up as I said this, and he's over there dying laughing. Because I'm sure I already know what he's looking at. He's looking at an angry scowl. He's looking at somebody who looks like she's asked to speak to the manager in the restaurant, oh, approximately 10,000 times. I saw one earlier today, because I tested this experiment before I gave it to you, where she was trying to smile. That's what I look like when I'm in front of my kids and I stub my toe and I'm trying not to say any curse words. That's what that smile looks like. That, oh, I just bit into a really bad bite of food that mom made and can't let her see that I feel like hurling. Does that look like a joyful person to you? As you and I walk through this journey together, because you're stuck with me now. The show's coast to coast. I started doing radio uh, about three years ago. It was a one-hour show, 7 o'clock at night, locally in Houston, And now it's over 200 stations across the country. So you're going to be stuck with me for a while. Clearly this disaster of a show is working out. So you're stuck with me. I want you to always remember something when we take on the communists. When we call out the left, when we tear through their tactics, ignore their insults, all that stuff. When I talk about white trash food, when we do Medal of Honor Monday, 
When I tell you a story about me getting dysentery, which I'm going to do at the top of the last hour, whatever we're doing, remember this. Always, always remember this. The people you hate, or maybe you don't hate them, the people who are your enemy, the leftists who hate this country, who are destroying this country, you're happier than they are. No matter what, no matter what else they get, all the power in the world. And they, believe me, they have a ton of it here in the United States of America. Now, a ton of it. They control every cultural institution. But no matter what else happens, go look at that image search of Gwen Berry. That's how they look 24 hours a day. Miserable at all times. How do you look? I, I just ate fried chicken and jalapeno poppers about 15 seconds before I got on the air with you. I'm smiling so bright right now, even though I have to admit I'm sweating a little bit. Those jalapenos are pretty hot. I'm smiling so bright right now, you can't get the smile off my face. Gwen Berry and people who think like her, they look like that 24 hours a day. They look like that when they sleep. Miserable bitter, angry, and petty. You'll never be that. Whatever else happens, you will never, ever, ever be that. We are going to have a blast. We're going to talk some more about the bad news on this Gwen Berry stuff. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Welcome home. Feeling a little stocky? Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly DC. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Do not forget, we have Tucker Carlson coming up in about 10 minutes. Maybe you've heard of him. He's my buddy. He's going to come on, and we're going we're gonna to riff just a little bit here. Just a little bit about his favorite gas station food. We're going to ask him about this Olympic athlete and other things. And before I get to the bad news, remember I told you it was going to be a good news, bad news thing with this Olympic athlete snubbing the flag. Before I get to that, it is Medal of Honor Monday. Now let's just go ahead and get something out of the way right now. I am not a good person. I realize you're supposed to say you are when you get on the radio and whatnot. I am a bad person. I am my friend and mentor, Michael Berry, calls me a narcissistic, disassociated sociopath. That's probably true. So don't ever look to me for moral guidance, even though I will always do a show you can listen to with your family. No matter what, you're never going to have to worry about the radio when your kids are in the car. But we do do one good thing on this show every single week. We call it Medal of Honor Monday. We simply take a Medal of Honor citation. Every time someone wins the Medal of Honor, they make a citation where they write out what the guy did to win it. We take a Medal of Honor citation and we simply read it on the air. I do this for a couple different reasons. One, these men deserve to be remembered. Their deeds deserve to be remembered. It's not enough to simply know this Medal of Honor citation in my hand exists. If we don't read it, If you don't hear it, then it doesn't really exist, right? So that's one. Two, what is culture? 
We'll talk about it a thousand times. Look, it's the buzzword du jour on the right right now, and I'm no different. But what is it? A lot of people can't even define it. What is culture? Culture is simply this. What does your tribe, neighborhood, city, town, state, nation, what do they incentivize? What do they disincentivize? You have a culture in your home. If you're the child, it's set by your parents. If you're the parent, you set it. You have a culture in your home. My children, and I'm a bad father too, by the way. I have two sons. They're 10 and 12. There is a certain culture in our home. I'll be honest with you. As a bad father, it's probably not the best diet you've ever seen in your entire life. Oh, granted, the wife eats really healthy and pushes that on the kids, but they see me eating double cheeseburgers and milkshakes. They're they're not stupid. It's probably not a good culture of diet. It is a culture of manners. You will hold the door open for women and old people. You will say yes, sir, and no, sir. When you shake hands with somebody, you will look them in the eye. That is the kind of culture we've created, and we've incentivized that. When they run up and hold the door open for people— they get a good job, son, and a rub on the head from their dad. When they try to order food, like, I would like a double cheeseburger, they very much get a stern talking to from their father about coming in soft and feminine. That's simply culture. That's the culture we have in my house. Our culture as a nation is rotted filth at this point in time because we have chosen to incentivize everything bad and rotten and terrible, and we've disincentivized greatness. We read Medal of Honor citations on Monday because it is time to incentivize greatness again. It is time to hold up the people who are actually worth something and say, look, son, see that? That's who you want to be. That's why we do. Now back to this. This is a, It's from Insider.com. The headline is, Activist Athlete, Gwen Berry says she felt set up when she turned her back on the U.S. flag during the National Anthem at Olympic Trials. I know you've heard every take on this today. I'm sure they were right. You know, There's so many smart people out there. I'm sure you were right. I gave you the good news when it comes to Gwen Berry. Look at her face. She'll always be miserable. You'll be happy. She worships a god of destruction and domination. That's the god of communism. That's who she is. It's her religion, remember. It's not her ideology. It's her religion. She's a cultural Marxist. She's miserable, always will be miserable. That's the good news. You'll be happy, she'll be miserable. Here's the bad news. This is actually really important. And I don't want it to be important. I don't want it to matter. I don't want it to matter at all. I wish, we run into this all the time. LeBron James, George Clooney, some idiot musician, whatever, they'll get up and say, of course, they always take the same company communist line. America sucks. America's evil. Here's why you have to elect this Democrat, trash the Republicans. They all take the same line. And what do we do on the right? I've done it before, too. I know you do it. I'm just as guilty as you. What do we do? Ah, Nobody cares what LeBron James thinks. He's an idiot. Go look at LeBron James's Instagram following. Go look at his Twitter following. I think he has a Twitter account. Does he have a Twitter account, Chris? Why don't you know any pop culture? If I don't know pop culture, how can I rely on you to know pop culture? Anyway, people do care. 
having sports, sports itself. I don't ask you to care about sports. I don't care about it anymore. And I was obsessed of it most of my life. Basketball, football, baseball, I mean, you name it. I watched it all. Grew up watching it. Grew up playing basketball and baseball. I mean, I sucked, but I still grew up playing it. Was obsessed with football for years. Because of this filth, I don't watch any of it anymore. But why does it matter? Well, let me ask you. Who has sports? Who, which nation? Which tribe? Which of them have sports? You know anything about the world or the history of the world? I'm sure you do. Who has sports? Everyone has sports. Absolutely everybody. A tiny tribe in the outback has sports. The Aztecs, as horrible as that culture was, having murdered a bunch of people and cutting their hearts out while they were alive, but as horrible as it was, they had sports. Every country in South America has sports. North America, Asia, Africa. If there's some tiny hidden tribe hidden in the ice of Antarctica, I promise they have a sport. Why? Why do they have a sport? Sports are not just something on the side. Entertainment in general, movies, music, all these things. But just let's talk about sports for a moment. They're not just something on the side. Oh, stupid sports. They are part of what knits a nation or tribe together. Having sports in America go the way everything else has gone, hard left, trash the country, it is a big deal. It was one of the last institutions we had. I'm going to ask the famous Tucker Carlson about that. He's my friend. He's coming up next. Hang on. the man who picked that song all the guests on my show pick their own music if they don't pick music you get spice girls or something like that joining me now obviously doesn't really need an introduction the host of tucker carlson tonight and tucker carlson today and virtually every other tv show that's crushing everyone in cable news tucker carlson tucker how did you end up taking over cable news why why are you so big now (laughs) I almost chose the Spice Girls. <laughs> um, I mean, we just we've done fine, mostly because we've and and now comes the ass kissing, which is totally sincere because we book people like you, who other media outlets are afraid to have on because they say unauthorized things that are actually true. So it's it's not right. So if you come out and say something ridiculous, you're not a threat to anybody. Hmm. If you say the earth is flat, no one arrests you because everyone knows it isn't. But if you come out and say something that's demonstrably true and that everyone senses is true, but that you're forbidden from saying, then you are by definition a threat to the regime or to the existing order, and you must be crushed. And you do that. 
and the, the, the few people like you who do that all have a spot on our show because what's the point of having a TV show in crisis if you don't tell the truth? I mean, the, the point of a TV show is not to continue doing the TV show. The point is to elim- illuminate. And, you know, if they take you off the air for it, okay, you know, those are the consequences, but you have to do it anyway. I mean, why, for real, it's like a moral duty. Why is it forbidden? Who forbids it? Because you're right. I know it. I feel it, too. Everyone, everyone, everybody listening to your voice right now is nodding their head because they feel it, too. But what, what is it? What is this unforeseen or seen force out there that, that decides what can Tucker Carlson say tonight that I think is okay and what is out of bounds and he should be fired and banished to uh, Antarctica? It's the hive mind. I mean, there's no conspiracy. It's not the Trilateral Commission. It's not Bohemian Grove. It's (laughs) the people in charge of the media, of the federal bureaucracy, of the Pentagon, the people who are benefiting from the current system. And it really has become a system from which uh, only a relatively small number of people benefit. Like, that's the major change. The middle class became a minority of the country in 2015. And so you have this weirdly lopsided political and economic system that benefits, intensely benefits a small number of people, and they're all in the positions of authority. And their main goal is to preserve the existing system because, again, they're winning. And so the things that are offensive to them are not right-wing things. You know, I'm often accused, I'm sure you are too, of being some right-wing extremist or whatever. I'm not even especially, I don't even know what that means. But I feel like my views are very moderate. I was alive in 1985. It was a, a if we could return America to 1985, that wasn't a time of segregation. Or it was actually a time of, of racial understanding, profound racial understanding compared to what we have now. It was a really nice time. That's kind of my vision of America. There's nothing radical about that. It's completely moderate by definition. And yet that's the threat right there because you're saying obvious things about the system that is benefiting the people who are running the New York Times or, the, or Jeff Bezos, who owns the Washington Post, or the Atlantic Magazine or the Daily Beast, or, you know, pick your defender of the regime. And they can't have that. And so they sort of pivot as one without, you know, they're not all texting each other, but they're like, oh, Jesse Kelly defended the patriarchy. Like, we can't have that because that's a deeper threat. So if you get out there and you're like, oh, the infrastructure bill sucks, they don't care. It's a piece of legislation, like whatever. It'll be debated in Congress. You know, they're good. It, 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 that's just not a threat. But if you go to the core things like, hey, why are 26-year-olds not getting married? You know, why are you pushing weed on them so they can remain passive? And you know what I mean? Why are testosterone levels falling? Like these are basic instruments of social control that they want to preserve. So if you call them out, like they freak out, like they freak out. Why did they take Alex Jones off the air? Alex Jones wasn't any kind of right winger, actually. He had some pretty far out theories. Some of them were kind of kooky, but I mean, he wasn't calling for a violent revolution or anything. He was calling BS on the people in charge and they hated him for that. I mean, they really hated him for that. Uh, it tells you everything. I tell people all the time. You're so right on this. I tell people they call me a you know a radical nut job, like you said. I don't have a single position on an issue that would have been considered slightly controversial in the year 2000. It's just that everything is, <laughs> right. everything has gone crazy exactly. right now, exactly. and I can't tell you how much satisfaction it gives me that my producer 
is 26 years old and not married and has this girlfriend, and I've been hammering about that, and now he just got hammered by accident by Tucker Carlson on national radio. That makes me laugh so hard. I'm going to rub it in his face the rest of his life. I do have to ask you, Tucker, what is the go-to? You're starving, right? The, the Carlson family's starving. They're on the road. You pull in a gas station. What is the go-to Tucker Carlson gas station snack? Well, always chewing tobacco because I love it. Well, yeah. Um, so if I'm in Texas, I stop at Bucky's and I get like a really exotic pomegranate flavored dip because <laughs> Bucky's has over a hundred different kinds of chewing tobacco. It's like it's it's amazing. I love Bucky's for that reason. But I usually, go, I mean, if I'm in like you know, if no one's around. And I'm in Bucky's, and they've got like a four-pound bag of malted milk balls. Like I'll try and sneak it past. Ooh. But in general, I try to be moderate, and I'm I'm a I'm a peanuts and bottled water guy, and dip. You know, the dip, the dip. If people only understood, see, women are all recoiling in horror right now because women do not understand the greatness for men of dipping tobacco, especially when you're young. I don't know why. I mean, it was for years for me, especially throughout the Marine Corps. There's something about it that gives you satisfaction when you're on the oh. road. Even when oh. you don't do it otherwise, when you're on the road, there's just something about it. But they don't like it. And I've been married 30 years mm-hmm. this year. I've dipped the whole time. And for probably 25 years, I assumed that my wife was just saying she didn't like it as a way to kind of <laughs> preserve her own dignity like oh i don't like that like women often pretend they don't like things that they secretly do like (laughs) just because they feel they have to but it turns out they actually don't like dip and i have three daughters who also don't like it i was trying to tell my son this the other day i was like actually your girlfriend doesn't like the dip and he's like oh i think she does and i was like no 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 trust me (laughs) she doesn't and so when i'm around the ladies i use zen which is a non-tobacco product you don't spit which is absolutely delicious but when i'm on the road I like traditional Copenhagen or some weird Bucky's, you know, tangerine flavored stuff. It's amazing. That's so funny. I dipped Copenhagen long cut for ages. All right, Tucker, real quick, two minutes. There are a lot of fathers listening to me right now, and they don't know a lesson to teach their sons in this insane world where you can't leave the TV on for 30 seconds without them seeing transsexual Nazi Eskimos. What is a lesson Tucker Carlson teaches his? Skills. Boys need skills. They know how to need to know how to do stuff. That's that's how boys develop self-esteem. You don't tell boys they're great. They don't believe you anyway. You teach them how to master a task, whether it's fishing or shooting or simple carpentry, fly tying. Get a boy good at something. I guess sports. I'm, I'm not from a we're, we're more a sporting family, not a sports family. But you know, maybe getting really good at a sport. But skills, like know how to do stuff, fix stuff. Can you go into the workshop and just, you know, build a simple box, fix a picture frame, you know, clamp two pieces of wood with wood glue. I mean, stuff like that, if you can get a boy to learn how to do something, it just fills him with pride. It's why work is the key for men. Like, Mm -hmm. what are men obsessed with? Their jobs in a way that women aren't. I mean, just being honest, they're not. You know, men... Their work is the center of their identity. So train a boy to know how to do stuff, not just like sit around and and, and get away from the screens, man. I just think, I really think technology is death. I I really believe that. I'm sorry to be so far out, but I I mean it. It's bad. 
Tucker Carlson. Obviously, the show is Tucker Carlson tonight on the great Fox News. Tucker, appreciate you very much, my man. Thank you so much. Oh, congrats on the show, man. Thank you, You're brother. Kill it. He's not wrong when it cuts. You know what? It's, I realize it's the first hour of the first show now that this thing went supernova. Let's have an uncomfortable conversation about men and women and jobs. Hang on. I've got an animal inside of me. Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. This weekend, Gwen Berry, who hopes to represent the United States as an Olympian on the hammer throwing uh, events, won a bronze medal at the trials, and then she turned her back on the flag while the anthem played. Does President Biden think that is appropriate behavior for someone who hopes to represent Team USA? Well, uh, Peter, I, I haven't spoken to the president specifically about this, but I know he's incredibly proud to be an American uh, and has great respect for the anthem and all that it represents, especially for our, our men and women serving in uniform all around the world. He would also say, of course, that part of that pride in our country means recognizing there are moments where we are, as a country, haven't lived up to our highest ideals. <laughs> We've never lived up to our highest ideals to these people. You notice? You ever notice that? It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Remember, we have Medal of Honor Monday coming up in about 10 minutes. We're going to honor one of our heroes. I forgot to give out the email address earlier. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com is the email address. You can email anything. It's fine. Your love, your hate, your death threats, your Ask Dr. Jesse questions. I'll get to that in a moment for you new listeners, of which there are about a million. I realize that. But all your emails go right to Chris, producer Chris. He prints them out for me. I read all of them. I'm not going to respond. I get way too many. I'm not responding. You can send whatever you want, though. It's fine. It's totally fine. And I will never read your name on the air. No, not even on the death threats, unless you specifically tell me you want me to. That's just part of my code as a dude. Private is private. Even the death threats. If you want your name read? You're welcome to put it in there, but you better specify you want it read. Now, understanding that I have to introduce the show to a few people, here are some things, some basic things you should know about me before we continue with this athlete and we talk about boys and girls and jobs and the differences and things like that. I'm white trash. I was born on the Ohio River. I moved to Montana when I was 10. I grew up hunting and fishing and, and doing all that stuff. I went to college after high school, and I got a 0.0 grade point average my first semester. I'm not making that up. I joined the Marine Corps after that. I was in the infantry. I was in the Iraq War. I did four years there. I got out. I ran for Congress twice, lost twice, moved all over the country where I've really been selling RVs for about the past five or six years. <laughs> <laughs> finally fell backwards into radio. I'll give you that story another day, another time. And since then, this whole thing has absolutely gone supernova, and I have no idea why. 
Believe me what I tell you, I can hardly read, let alone speak, but you're stuck with me now because apparently this thing's going to be on for a while. <laughs> Back to one more thing on this athlete when it comes to sports because I want to finish up my thoughts there. Part of taking our culture back is going to be you and I being purposeful with how we spend our dollars when it comes to sports, when it comes to entertainment. And I just have to say, and you'll hear me say this a lot, I'm worse at this than than you are. I'm trying to get better. You know, I, I'm canceling this and canceling that when they do things that violate my values. I'm trying to be specific about where I spend and don't spend money. I'm trying to be better. I know it's hard to live in this world and avoid spending dollars with this cultural Marxist filth everywhere we go, but it's important. It's important that you and I are purposeful with our money. If we're not, this stuff never changes, ever. I don't watch the NFL anymore. Uh, long-time listeners, long time, all three years. The people who have been listening to the show for a while, Chris, they know I have been a football freak. I have never even played it because I was all skin and bone when I was a kid. Plus, I couldn't run or jump or do things like that. But I actually could catch, Chris, not to get sidetracked. People ask me, what are my skills? And my initial response is always, well, I mean, I have so many. What do you want? What? But one of them is catching. I catch absolutely everything. I do, Chris. Now, I realize I'm 6'8", 230, so I have big hands. I do have big hands. And I realize you're going to say, oh, that's why you can, Jesse. No, it's because I have... Basically, um, I want you to think of me like Michael Jordan if he couldn't shoot a basketball or run or jump or anything like that. That's the kind of hands I have. I can catch everything. Setting that aside. Anyway, I don't want to get distracted. Setting that aside. We need our sports back. It's damaging to the country. The, The most damaging thing... The communists have taken over in this nation by a mile is the education system. There's nothing else even close. We'll talk about this endlessly. It'll probably come up again tonight when random things pop into my head. Having generations, plural, of Americans leave their parents for seven, eight hours a day and go sit in a classroom for 22 plus years where they learn how bad America sucks from their teachers has absolutely gutted this country, gutted it. We have generations of Americans with no appreciation for how blessed they are. That's what's got us. So let's set aside education. The second most damaging thing the communists ever took over was the corporate boardrooms. These ads your kids see on TV, they matter. They do matter. It makes an impression. I know because I have to unpack them with my kid every time, my kids every time I see one. It matters. How did that happen? Well, again, that goes right back to the education system. It's not just our universities. It's our top universities are churning out anti-patriots day after day after day. But one of the most damaging things the communists took over in this country was sports. Why? It's not because sports have to matter to you. Sports bring a nation together, which is why the communists went after them. It's Medal of Honor Monday time next. Let's you and I sit back and honor one of our heroes. Hang on.
like anything was possible Hit cruise control And rub my eyes The last three days And the rain was unstoppable It was always Let's have some fun. Now, I was going to come right here and do Medal of Honor Monday, which I'll explain in a second. But I need to address something right off the bat here. Two things with my producer, Chris, who's been with me from the very, very beginning when this was a one-hour, seven o'clock at night show about two years ago in Houston on one station. Chris is going to be a challenge for you. He's going to be a challenge for me. He's something you and I are going to have to work through together. Understand this. One, I just need to clarify this. He's not doing well. And I mean not doing well at all. He, uh, The show's just a bit bigger than anything we had ever pictured. On over 200 stations at this point in time. And I'm enjoying myself. He ye- practically yelled at me before the show, asking, how are you so calm? And I said, buddy, we're just talking. It's not a big deal. It's just some radio. We're, we're just talking. He just told me during the break that he's having some chest pains. So if all of a sudden everything goes dark, I swear we haven't been invaded by aliens. There's a chance my producer will be on the ground and I'll be giving him CPR, which I guess in a way, when you think about that, yeah, you know what? I'm not comfortable with that. We're going to have to call somebody in. But when you think about it, what great radio that would be. Because I wouldn't know how to turn off the microphone, right? Sis, you'd be on the ground. And everybody across the country would be here and be saying, don't you, don't die on me, man. Stay away from the light. (laughs) All right, enough of that. Focus. Secondly, the music. I was going to rip on you for your suggestion of Metallica songs, and I realize that's probably a little heavy-handed. I told Chris, yeah, we play we play good music on this show. I told Chris I wanted to come back to ride the lightning from Metallica. Hold on, hold on, Chris, don't get ahead of me. Hold on, don't play it just yet. To which Chris scoffs at me and says, well, I mean, Enter Sandman's right there. As if ride the lightning is nothing. Now, Play, I'll even give you first dibs, Chris. Not that Enter Sandman needs any introduction from me. Play Enter Sandman for the people. Okay, look, I, I have no problem with this. This is a great song. This is a great song. I'm not ripping on Enter Sandman. Now, play Ride the Lightning. No, sir. The beginning of Ride the Lightning. Not, no, the This is what he does. He torpedoes all my efforts. All right. It's time for Medal of Honor Monday. Remember, I'm not a good person. I'm a bad person. It's a bad show. I have have no morals or really, really anything, anything you would consider to be socially acceptable. I'm a sociopath and all those other things. We do do one good thing on this show all week, though. 
We take a Medal of Honor citation from one of our heroes and we play it on the air because these men deserve to be honored. Their deeds deserve to be honored. And because these are the people who should be guiding our culture, not the latest scumbag anti-American athlete, these people. So, Chris, give me some Army music, even though I'm a Marine, and it pains me to say that. This is the citation. This is His name's Jack G. Hansen, by the way. PFC Hansen, a machine gunner with the 1st Platoon Company F, that's Fox Company, but Company F distinguished himself by conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty in action against an armed enemy of the United Nations. The company, in defensive positions on two strategic hills separated by a wide saddle, was ruthlessly attacked at approximately 0300 hours the brunt of which was centered on the approach to the divide within the range of PFC Hansen's machine gun. In the initial phase of the action, four riflemen were wounded and evacuated, and the numerically superior enemy advanced under cover of darkness, infiltrated, and posed an imminent threat to the security of the command post and weapons platoon. Upon orders to move to key terrain above and to the right of PFC Hansen's position, he voluntarily remained to provide protective fire for the withdrawal. Subsequent to the retiring elements fighting a rear guard action to the new location, it was learned that PFC Hansen's assistant gunner and three riflemen had been wounded and crawled to safety and that he was maintaining a lone man defense. After the first platoon reorganized, counterattacked, and rescued its original positions at approximately 0530 hours, PFC Hansen's body was found lying in front of his emplacement. His machine gun ammunition expended, his empty pistol in his right hand, and a machete with blood on the blade in his left hand, and approximately 22 dead enemy lay in the wake of his action. PFC, Hansen, PFC Hansen's consummate valor, inspirational conduct, and willing self-sacrifice enabled the company to contain the enemy and regain the commanding ground and reflect lasting glory on himself and the noble traditions of the military service. You build nations around men like that. You build nations around men like that. These are the people we hold up. He was 20 years old at the time. 20 years old, stacking bodies in Korea. When his, when his weapon was empty, pulls out a pistol and a machete and says, keep coming. And there's this one thing about Korea. I don't want to get too sidetracked, but I'm a history freak. Just a heads up for everybody. I am a history freak. I'm going to talk some history every single show. I can't help it. I love it. And I'm going to do a separate history podcast every single week where it's just me talking history, no nothing else. I may do one on Korea this week just because I'm so fired up about this right now. The Korean War, everyone knows it's called the Forgotten War. Well, I take that back, Chris. I guess everyone doesn't know. Otherwise, they wouldn't call it the Forgotten War. But still, it's the Forgotten War. It's the one people either weren't proud of or 
the, the nations, the, the, the world was so tired of war because of how, how close it came on the heels of World War II that it just didn't get the publicity. It didn't. And we didn't really care about Korea. Now, South Korea is a wonderful ally to us to this day, and I love Korean people. They're just always, I've always gotten along well with Korean people, just always have. So that's a personal bias of mine. I don't love all cultures. I love Korean people. So that's a personal bias, but the world in general didn't really care about Korea. We wanted to stop communism, kind of, but we didn't know, one, how bad communism was just yet, and two, like I said, Nations were poor. We were on fi- we were on financially hard times. And so we didn't get as invested in the men who went over there to fight the Korean War. But if you actually ever read the stories and I have, or, or if you're not a reader, if you went to community college like me, if you're not a reader, Go pull up a documentary. There are great documentaries out there right now. I think there's one that's just called Chosen I saw a little while back. I'm doing this off the top of my head. I don't prepare for a show, but I think there's one called Chosen out there that was really good. Go look at a documentary on what the fighting was like in Korea. That whole thing you just heard from Jack Hansen about, I'm going to hold this position Because it's nighttime and they're pouring into here and I'm going to hold it just so you guys can retreat to a more defensible position. That's what the whole daggone thing was like. There were so many Chinese there. It was just, they're dropping in your foxhole. You're fighting them with knives. That's, That's big boy stuff right there. All right. Nike, America, China. Why does it matter? I'll tell you why it matters. Hang on. But first, hear me here. This talk you're seeing out there about inflation, we have inflation, 5% inflation, inflation's going to get worse, inflation this, inflation that. This is not going to stop. The value of your dollar is not going to start going up again. Why? Because you can't print money like that and have the value of a dollar go up. It's not humanly possible. When I tell you to get gold and silver, I'm telling you to get physical gold and silver, not a piece of paper that says you have it. Get physical gold and silver, and you can get that from Oxford Gold Group. Call them today. Whether you want the physical copy or an IRA or 401k, call them today. 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-GOLD. Unless... Unless you're under the impression you're going to have a headline tomorrow that says the value of your dollar went up. If you don't think you're going to get that headline, you might want to get some precious metals. Oxford Gold Group, 833-995-GOLD. Call them today. Tell them Jesse sent you. I promise they'll treat you right. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Let's talk about Nike in China in just a moment. Does that song 
make any sense to you when you actually listen to the words, Chris? Sometimes, uh, today when I was on the way to work, I was listening to uh, A Horse With No Name by America. That's a great song, right? Horse With No Name. And I found myself singing along. Believe me, you don't want me to sing along behind the microphone right now. We don't have what you'd call any artistic talent here in the Kelly family. (laughs) But still, found myself singing along and then I found myself pausing and saying, what does that mean? What is that supposed to mean? At one point he says, the ocean is a desert with its life underground. Why does that make sense, Chris? A desert desert is defined being a desert by water or lack thereof. All right, Chris, we're going to get Chris drug tested after the show. Let's get to this one here. This is from BBC.com. Nike boss defends firms businesses in China. Just a heads up. His name is John Donahue. And his exact quote on my life, I'm not making this up. Nike is a brand that is of China and for China. That's his quote. Do you understand why we won... Oh, let's call it. Well, we could we could pick a lot of things here. You understand why we won World War II? I mean, you can you can pick your poison, and you wouldn't necessarily be wrong with any of it. The bravery of the troops on the ground, obviously, yeah, that's a pretty important part of it. Uh, America's uh, America's education system, uh, good leadership, at least from the generals, and that you you could look anything you'd say right there. You could probably make an argument for. Do you know why Japan? said they were going to lose World War II. They knew they were going to lose all along. But do you know why they flat out came out and said, like, they knew it. Internally, we know now. They they just knew it all along. What's that general's name, Yamamoto, who said anybody who's seen the auto factories of Detroit or the oil fields in Texas knows you can't defeat America in a prolonged war. America's private companies. They're really, really, really important. All those planes and tanks and fighter and fighter jets and bullets and things like that, they weren't made in gigantic government factories during World War II. It was our private corporations who stepped up, granted they were paid, stepped up and churned out what we needed for victory. Having your largest companies wholly loyal to your largest geopolitical enemy is not a small thing. It's a big thing. And I realized I teased about 40 minutes ago that we were going to talk about boys and girls and jobs. I'm getting to that in a moment. I just had to hit this story real quick before we get back to more fun stuff. This stuff matters. What do you think would happen? You know, let's let's take it back to World War II. What do you think happened back then? There was some kind of version of... Knock, knock. Hey, Ford, nice to meet you. It's the U.S. government. Uh, we'll, we'll pay for the privilege, but would love to use those factories to go bomb Germany and Japan. You got any problem with that? They were welcomed in with open, open arms. How do you think America's corporations would react today? If the worst happened, and Lord, obviously, Lord, I hope it doesn't happen, but how do you think those same corporations would react today? If somebody from the government came knocking on the door again, 
and said, uh, hey, we need some planes. We're going to go bomb China. They'd be on the phone with the Chinese government in five seconds asking for permission. I don't know what the solution is. And I know I'm supposed to have a solution for everything, right? The solution for everything. I don't know what the solution is to get Chinese influence out of America's corporate boardrooms, but I do know we must. We simply must. And I don't know that there's even a small government solution for it. Maybe it all just comes back to education. Maybe we need Fortune 500 companies Well, with CEOs who haven't been educated to hate the country or who've been educated to appreciate where they live, I don't know what the solution is. But I know China's eating our lunch and laughing at us. Now, back to the thing I teased about. In case you missed, by the way, the interview with Tucker Carlson, that took place in the first hour. It was about an hour ago. You can catch that whole thing on the podcast. Every show is podcasted on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and on iTunes. When you go on iTunes, I need you to do something that's really important for the show. I need you to... Don't don't rub your forehead like you know what I'm going to say, Chris. I need you to subscribe, and I need you to leave a review there talking about how handsome I am. As you may notice when you log in, this is something we've been doing for a couple years now, and it is some of the most pants-wetting funny stuff I've ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) All right, back to men and women and jobs, because Tucker Carlson said something earlier on the show. He talked about, you know, a boy needs to develop skills. That's how they develop confidence. Something probably not as important in girls, but a boys need to develop skills. Let's have this chat for a moment. We don't do the men and women are all the same talk on this show. We never have. That's, that's of course, ridiculous. Biologically, mentally, of course, we're different. Now, we're all different individually anyway, but men and women are different. And we need different things. And here's something you'll hear men say a lot about women. You'll hear, ah, women are, they treat other women terribly. They're so jealous that as soon as they see a girl who's prettier, maybe prettier, they're so mad about it. They're so mean to them. And they're right, of course, that women, not all women, but women do that. And it's terrible, right? I don't man bash on the show. I'm a big, I'm a big time pro men thing. I think men have to lead this country back to where we should go. But I'll say, Men are just as bad at that as women. We just do it with something different. Women are judged by their looks way more than men are. That's why they get jealous about other women's looks. Men, you and I, I'm the same way. We're judged by our professional success. And we turn into jealous, petty losers when confronted by somebody who has more. You want to talk about skills and acquiring them and why it matters and why you shouldn't send your kid to college? Let's talk about it. Hang on. When I know that it's always the same, it's just a shame, and that's all.
Jesse Kelly Show. Remember, Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Headline, foxnews.com. White House stands by BLM nominee despite eco-terrorism links and views on population control. <laughs> Chris is raising his hand. Buddy, I don't know. These people are insane. These people. This is what happens now. I don't believe Joe Biden is a radical far leftist nut job. He's a half functioning adult. Whatever he is now, let's set that aside. I don't believe Joe Biden has been a far left radical nut job. But what you and I have to accept, and this is tough to accept, right? You want to you want to believe there are still Democrats and Republicans out there. What you and I have to accept is it doesn't matter because he's surrounded by far left, radical America hating nut jobs. And they're the ones calling the shots. Did you see that thing about Jill Biden? She's going to the Olympics. Did we talk about that yet? Chris, sometimes I forget about what we've talked about. Oh, I believe I realize we haven't talked about that. Okay. Here, let's let's talk about this. For I'll get back to the boys and girls and skills thing here in a second. The Olympics, whether you care about them or not, I used to love them. I'm probably I can't decide if I'm gonna watch right now. Because of all this anti-American trash, I just stopped watching sports because of it. I, I won't do it. I will not support these people who luxuriate here and then trash the country. I won't. But if it doesn't turn into that, I'll probably watch. But something else does happen at the Olympics. And this is I'm going to tie this right into the kids and skills you, you should teach your kids things. Something else happens at the Olympics. You know what happens? Leaders of governments go to the Olympic Games. They go because if you're the leader of a government, you want to go make sure your picture is taken at an event where your country's competing with other countries. It makes you look good and supportive for your citizens, yada, yada, yada. You know how it goes. They'll dog it. Even if they look, do I think that all these guys that go there care about uh, women's basketball? Clearly not. But they go. So something else happens. Meetings happen. Important, critical meetings happen between world leaders at Olympic events. They, it has always been that way. It will always be that way. This is how it works when you're dealing with powerful people. When you're dealing with them and they get in the same area, they try to collaborate on things. I've done that. You know, I've walked a million. I've done a million things in this life. And obviously it was mostly, mostly things like construction and Marine Corps. But now because I do what I do, on occasion I get to sit in a meeting with some really important corporate boardroom types. When they get in the same room together, even if they're not working together, they end up working together half the time because they meet each other and that oh, you drink that kind of bourbon too? Oh, my son also goes to college today. It turns into that and it turns into a collaboration. That's how so many things happen. The Olympic Games are not just games. They are an important diplomatic event for the United States of America. The United States of America is sending the first lady, the unelected first lady who has zero official responsibilities and zero authority. Why? Because her husband is not a functional adult. 
Isn't that embarrassing? Isn't that so embarrassing for you and I? Her husband is not a functional adult. That's the president of the United States. And he can't go to the Olympic Games and sit down with the PM of Japan? You know, he can't go sit down with the PM of Japan? Hey, hey, great games. Good job. Hey, you know what? Let's talk about that trade deal we were doing. Why can't he go? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because we can't send this overseas to negotiate with powerful people. Consequential this week for child care. I wrote the bill on the environment. Pay them more. This is an employee's, employee's bargaining chip now. What? What? What's he talking about there? I don't know. Nobody knows. But you can't send that guy to go talk to foreign leaders. And so we're stuck sending the first lady. That's why we have radical, insane America-hating nutjobs packed into the White House. We don't have a functional adult as president. He's not running anything right now. What his wife isn't running, his staffers are. And go look into Joe Biden's staffers and who they are and what they believe. It's not good. It's not. You're you're JFK Democrats because this is what's happening right now. Right now, someone's listening to my voice and they've been voting Democrat for a long time. That's actually the person who matters the most. If you've been voting Democrat for a long time, your party is gone. The one you used to know. The JFK party. That, you know, obviously different views than Republicans. It's not like Democrats and Republicans were the same back then. They were different. But JFK loved the country. The Democratic Party back then loved the country. You're not dealing with that anymore now. You're not dealing with even something that's un-American. I see that a lot, that describing the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party is un-American. No, they're not. No, they're not. The Democratic Party is anti-American. They had a national convention and didn't fly the American flag. Had to be shamed into it. That sounds like a small thing, something that was internet fodder for a day or two. That's all the indication in the world. They set up an entire national convention and not one person on the setup crew thought, you know, maybe we should get the old stars and stripes in here. Not one person did that. Back to my meeting thing, back to my Tokyo thing, the Olympics thing. How's that tie into your kids? Tucker Carlson, when he was on the show earlier, brought up skills, teaching your kids skills. I'm going to piggyback on that and say, as someone who's had to hire and fire people, I mean, I was a sales manager at an RV dealership for a long time. I'll tell you how I got that job another day. And I'm going to tell my dysentery story here in about 18 minutes. So hang on for that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's rough. Anyway, I had to hire and fire a bunch of people. And I've been in the room and a bunch of people have been hired and fired. Manners. Learning to use manners. Yes, sir. No, sir. Looking somebody in the eye when they speak. Looking somebody in the eye when you speak. Speaking up. 
These are life skills that will make you and your son and or daughter a fortune, an absolute fortune, not because they're difficult skills to master, but because like 80% of the population doesn't bother mastering them. Shake someone's hand firmly, man or woman, firmly. When you speak, I make my kids, this is what I do. I make my sons and have done this for years. They're 10 and 12, but I used to do this when they were five, six years old. I make them order their own food in the restaurants. Now, it sounds like a small thing, right? It's not. Go ahead and try it with your kids if they're little and see how it's not a small thing. This is what you'll do because kids lack confidence because they're kids. It's not their fault. This is what you'll get. Okay, buddy, order your food. All right, I, I would like the cheeseburger instead of fancy. What? What? I'm sorry. I can't eat. Force your kids to order their food and force them to look the waiter or waitress in the eye and speak up. It makes you sound confident. It makes you sound competent. You want to teach your kids some valuable skills? Takes nothing to teach your kids that. It can make them a fortune. All right. Drunk driving. A lot. Like, way too much. Hang on. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. makes me crave Captain Crunch. Well, let me explain. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Remember, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. This song makes me crave Captain Crunch. I have um, a healthy, uh, unhealthy, I should probably say, obsession with food. I would say it's healthy. People around me, my wife, Chris, even my kids say it's unhealthy. I would disagree But I have an obsession with food. So I associate virtually everything in my life with food. Like if I I go to a a, a city, I I love traveling all over the country. If I go to New York City, it's one of my favorite places, if not my favorite place in the country. If I go to New York City, my mouth will start watering when the plane is landing. Because I can already picture I'm going to get one of those awful, awful dirt water dogs from the sidewalk and love it. Absolutely love it. I'm going to go right to a bagel shop and I'm going to get a breakfast bagel. I'm going to eat 10 pizzas when I'm there. I'm going to go to a steakhouse. If if I have the money, I'll go to Red Lobster. If I feel like eating fancy. But I associate everything with food. Cities I go to, I associate with food. If I have to go to a wedding somewhere, I'll remember what I ate. It's just what I do. When music comes on, if it's a song that was popular back when I was eating something regularly, I associate it with food. Chris played that 80s song, which I mean, honestly, it sounded like an 80s song from a million miles away. I was obsessed with Captain Crunch when I was a kid. Maybe because it's the greatest cereal ever, but I was obsessed with Captain Crunch when I was a kid. 
and this song must have just played all the time because the second he started playing it, I thought to myself, oh, that makes me crave Captain Crunch. What is this, Chris? Understand it's the who. What does this have to do with anything? How old is that song? Chris, that song is from the 70s, man. I'm almost positive that song's from the 70s. How old do you think I am? I was born in 81. I'm 39. Jeez, Chris tries to play word association with me. All right. Remember, I'm going to give you my dysentery story here in just a moment. This is from WRAL.com. Oh, we'll get to Kamala Harris traveling to El Paso. Gosh, this is just great. Anyway, this is from WRAL.com. Quote, this is the 10th time, end quote, drunk driver crashes into Johnston County home. Early Sunday morning, Johnston County woman was awakened to the sound of a car crashing through her carport. Uninjured, the driver initially fled the scene, but returned later and was charged with DWI, according to officials. The crashing car ripped the power meter from the home, forcing the resident to spend the night with relatives. But this is the best part. Quote, this is at least the 10th time a car has come through the intersection like this, said the son of the woman who lives there. Now, I understand people aren't made of money. Especially now, times are tough. Small businesses crushed because of our idiotic COVID response. It's just... It's tough out there. Wouldn't you take some precautions maybe the second time a car crashes through your home? What does what goes through this woman's mind when she's sitting in the living room watching the prices right, eating chicken noodle soup at night? Could you ever relax? Chris said can she not move? Well, Look, okay, let's assume she doesn't have the financial ability to move. Most people can't move. Maybe a concrete pillar in the front of the house or something? i tell you what I would do if I were her. I watched, I read it in Sky Mall one time. See, if, let's, see, in this internet age, people won't even know what Sky Mall is. But for the longest period of time when you flew, there was this magazine called Sky Mall. And it had 8 million different things you would flip through. And they were all over the map. I mean, from a, from a special wallet to you could buy a, a sword you saw in Lord of the Rings. To, I mean, they, they had ways to feed your pet while you're on vacation. Everything you could imagine. Just a million little gadgets and things. I remember one time, and it may still be for sale. I don't know. Watch you. I'm going to end up blowing up this guy's sales tonight, and he won't know why. They had six-foot-tall Bigfoot statues you could buy. Now, they were way too much money because you know, they didn't have that kind of money. No one has that kind of money. They, I remember them being two or 300 bucks. For me, they were all the money in the world. Six-foot-tall Bigfoot statues. And I always thought it would be hilarious if you ended up getting rich to just plant those things in the front yard of a friend's house for his birthday or something like that and act like you got it for him as a gift, the woman could line the yard with Bigfoot statues, Chris. How sweet would that be? All right. NewYorkPost.com. House Democrat traveling with Harris gleefully calls El Paso the new Ellis Island. 
The rep's name, by the way, is Veronica Escobar. She's a Democrat of Texas, one of these far-left nightmares. Uh, Everyone knows what Ellis Island is, a place where so many Italians and Jews and Irish and so many from before came in through Ellis Island. Here's a quick little side note, historical side note about Ellis Island. Did you know a huge percentage of the people who immigrated through Ellis Island? I say huge. I think it was 50 or something like that, but it's a lot. They didn't know their own birthday because birth certificates and birthdays weren't that big from wherever they came from. Many of them chose July 4th so they'd appear more patriotic. A bunch of people had birthdays on July 4th. How about that? All right, we're going to talk about why this happens, and I'll give you my dysentery story. Hang on. Any part of the Jesse Kelly show, including our opening interview with Tucker Carlson. If you want to know his go-to gas station snack and obviously some important political discussion, the whole show is podcasted on iHeart and Google and Spotify and iTunes on iTunes. It's critical for the show. Leave a five-star rating and leave a review talking about how handsome I am. Look. I have to clarify because you're going to go on there now and you're going to start reading these things and you're going to laugh. And it is hilarious because there's like 900 of them at this point. When I first started doing that, telling people to do that, I just thought it was kind of stupid and funny because it's a radio show. You can't even see me. You have no idea what I look like, right? So I just thought it was kind of funny. But then management, they got a little miffed at me. Because they go for a very, there's a very corporate, you know, structured thing. Oh, we really want them talking about how smart you are and things like that. Well, because I'm a bad person, as I've already explained to you several times, that only encourages me to do it more. So we kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it. And when the show just started, we started out with 10 or something like that. And now, now there's 900 and God only knows how many we're going to wake up to tomorrow. <laughs> and we read them on the air. You know what, Chris? Print me some of those out whenever you get a chance. I'm going to read them on there. People need to know what people think about my uh, amazing looks. All right, before I get to my dysentery story, and don't worry, it'll be family-friendly. I always do a family-friendly show. Bad person or not, I'm sick to death of having to turn off TV and turn off radio when my kids are in the room because you can't escape filth out there. There's nothing you can watch with your family anymore. So I always gave a solemn vow. I would never do a show you have to turn off with your kids. And I won't. I won't. 
But the dysentery story is going to be hilarious, depending on how sick of a sense of humor you have. Back to this House Democrat thing, though. This Veronica Escobar of Texas calling El Paso the new Ellis Island. That's her celebrating a bunch of illegal immigrants pouring into the country, shattering our hospital system, education system, and costing Americans billions of dollars. What you need to understand about the modern Democratic Party is what I tried to explain earlier when we were talking about something else. They're anti-American. If you go to Veronica Escobar and you hooked her up to a a truth-telling machine that forced her to tell the truth about why she believes what she believes about certain things, In fact, if you hooked any modern-day Democrat up to the same truth-teller machine and asked them, why do you want open borders? Because the question seems to confuse people on the right. People on the right will say things all the time, and I've said it too. It's not just you. They'll say things like, oh, why do they want to do this? It's This only hurts people they claim to love. This only hurts their cities. It only hurts their states. This is bankrupting the country. Why do they do it? Well, if if you hooked her up to that lie detector machine, or should I say truth teller machine, she would tell you she loves illegal immigration specifically because it's destroying the country. Pointing out the communists' destructive plans to the communist does absolutely nothing to dissuade the communist. Destruction is the goal. You are not facing a political ideology. I wish you were. I wish I was too. It'd make life easier, right? Ah, a couple of disagreements. Let's haggle a little bit about taxes and spending and stuff like that. But we'll, look, we'll, we all want what's best for America, right? So we'll work it out. That's not at all what we're facing. And the Republican Party continually pretending that's what we're facing is exactly why we are in such a bad spot in this country. We are facing people who want to bring the country to its knees. They really do think America is some evil, racist, sexist, disastrous colonizer place that doesn't deserve to exist. You hook Veronica Escobar, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, any of them up to that truth-telling machine and ask them, why are you supporting open borders? This is bad for America. They would simply look at you in the eye and tell you, well, yeah, I'm doing it because it's bad for America. You're not going to point out crime statistics to Veronica Escobar and dissuade her. You're not going to point out Hospital closures, you know, these uh, uh, illegal immigrants. I used to live in Tucson. That's where I ran for Congress and lost twice. So you get to know a lot about the border when you live down by the border. And I had a buddy, my buddy Adam, he was on Border Patrol forever. I was in the Marines with him. And he told me this story one time. uh, One of his buddies had had a baby, and he went to the hospital. He was still in uniform. He went to the hospital to see his buddy. Walks into the hospital, walks into the ER, and the ER is full of people. Goes back in real quick, checks in with his buddy, you know, kisses the baby. Hi, how you doing? Turns around, walks back out the same emergency room. It was empty. It emptied because they saw him walk in in his Border Patrol uniform. Illegal immigrants use emergency rooms as basically their family doctor. 
because you can't turn away anybody from care in this country. Get all done treating them. Sorry, I can't pay. Peace out, homie. And they're gone, which bankrupts hospitals. But that's another story entirely. If you were to point that out, if you were to point out American kids getting a worse education system because now they sit in 40-person bilingual classrooms and can't get any attention from the teacher, none of that would dissuade Veronica Escobar even one little bit. You would tell her all that? You would tell any modern-day Democrat that? They would shrug their shoulders and look you in the eye and say, yeah, I know it's bad for the country. We'll talk about this a million times when it comes to these people and what they believe. But you must wrap your mind around the fact that JFK Democrat is gone. I wish he wasn't. I wish, look, because the Republican Party sucks so bad, I would love to have the option of going to the polls and just out of spite, penciling in a Democrat every now and then. I would love to, just out of spite, because I'm a spiteful person, a terrible human being. I would love to do that. How can I vote for that now? They don't even give me the option of voting for that now. I'm not voting to wreck my own country. No thanks. All right. I promised you an embarrassing personal story, because I realize this is the opening show of the new Jesse Kelly show that's nationwide, 200 stations, all the big cities, everything you can imagine. Way more, way more than it should be on. Let's just put it that way. <sighs> Here it is. As you and I get to know each other, you'll realize I make bad decisions. I make bad decisions routinely. I make impulsive decisions, poorly thought out decisions. And I've done this repeatedly. This is simply a lifestyle choice at this point in time. I have nobody to blame but myself. When I get in trouble again in this life, and whether that's five minutes from now, which it probably will be, or five years from now, hear me now. It's going to be all my fault. It's going to be all my fault. But we went to Thailand in the Marine Corps, and I made, I made a bad decision. I, I, frankly, I made more than one. Don't don't raise up your arms and say I made a lot, Chris. Okay, I made one or two. I can't control where they send us to train. But I'm going to drop the dysentery story on you here. Yes, it's all safe for kids and whatnot, but you get to sit back and relax and laugh at my pain. You ready for this? Hang on. Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. Jesse Kelly show. You can find me on social media. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Jesse Kelly DC. I'm on Facebook. I'm also on locals. That's the one I can't be kicked off of. I will undoubtedly be kicked off permanently from, from, you know, Twitter and Instagram because I'm an, I'm an offensive person, but it's me, Jesse, the Oracle Kelly. In case you're wondering where I got that nickname, 
or any of the other nicknames you're going to hear on this show. Uh, the Oracle, Shogun, Sombrero Jesse seems to be a fan favorite. Don't roll your eyes, Chris. It's important in case you're wondering where I got any of these names. I gave them all to myself. And you can say that's out of line and you shouldn't do that. Who knows me better than me? Sombrero Jesse actually came from a historical story we did one time on Billy the Kid. Billy the Kid's mentor when he was a young up-and-coming criminal was Sombrero Jack. And I thought that was a sweet nickname. And I decided to co-opt it for myself because Jack is dead and he can't do anything about it. And we did a big Cinco de Mayo show where we played mariachi music the whole time. And I wore the sombrero and it was as awesome and good a time as we've ever had. I did a, a history story that show on Santa Ana. That was awesome. The dude buried his leg. They had, he lost his leg in battle and he made them bury his leg with full honors. How great is that? All right. I'm going to stop putting this off. I know you can tell I'm putting this off. I promised you a story about... Me getting dysentery, and here it is. As I already explained earlier, I was not not the best student in the world. 0.0 GPA, first year of college. Well, first semester of college. Brought it up to some solid Cs in the second semester, not to brag or anything like that. Decided I should probably be a better person than I was at that time. So unbeknownst to my family or anyone else, I just marched down to the Marine Corps recruiting office and walked in and signed up. My folks were furious, furious, and my dad was doubly furious when he found out that I joined the infantry. He said, well, at least tell me you're doing something that'll give you some job skills, and I was like, ah, actually about that. (laughs) Uh, Not so much. I joined the infantry. Part of being in the infantry unit I was in was this. You go do six-month deployments. This is before Iraq and, and Afghanistan, okay, so this is peacetime. Before you you before before your enlistment was up, you would go to a six month deployment in Okinawa, Japan. You'd have a base there. You'd go pretty much move in, but then from that base, you'd go to other places. Like we went up to up by Tokyo, Mount Fuji, and and part of your training was you would go over to Thailand. Why? Well, I don't know if they still do it. They probably still do, but again, I don't do research for the show. They did training over there called Cobra Gold. And it was essentially jungle warfare training. You go over there for a month to do jungle warfare training. Now, the jungle is a horrible, horrible place. It just is. Everything can kill you. Everybody gets sick. The mosquitoes are terrible. And if you take the anti-malaria pills they used to give us, and I'm sure because it was the Marine Corps, they weren't exactly top-of-the-line anti-malaria pills. If you take the anti-malaria pills... They'll actually make you hallucinate. Uh, well, hallucinate's probably too strong. You'll have night terrors. Not even nightmares, night terrors. I don't know what kind of medication you have to put in your body to make you have a nightmare, but that's what we were taking. So, again, the jungle's not fun. Part of being in a jungle environment like that and doing a bunch of training like that was you ended up getting sick dysentery was very common. If you ever do any reading or research on the war in the Pacific portion of World War II, guys getting dysentery, it was like, it would be like you blowing your nose once a day. That was just the norm. You had, you didn't have it once. You just had it all the time, or or you would have it and you'd go away and you'd have it and go away. It's just, you can't possibly make sure 
everything that goes into your mouth is clean. And it's microscopic, so you're going to get it. Chris, please let's be mature when I say things like that on the radio anyway. At one point in time, I got it too. And I'm going to keep this totally clean. Like I said, it's a family show. I realize you may be about to go in and sit down for dinner. I just need to explain this about dysentery. It's it's not having an upset stomach. It's not your body saying, hey, Jesse, if you have time, maybe visit the restroom. It's saying, I'm coming out now. You better get somewhere now. And it's this, it feels like somebody is taking your stomach and wringing it out like you would wring out a dish rag. Try it just it feels like that, like they're stabbing you. It's te- it's terrible. But remember when I said I make bad decisions and immature decisions and stuff like that? We were training very hard over there. In the Marine Corps, especially when you're in the infantry, you train very hard. And therefore you play very hard. And when you get the chance, when they give you a night off or two nights off, you don't want to waste those nights. You don't want to stay back and drink water and rehydrate. You want to go experience Thailand. Specifically, we wanted to experience the beer and the kickboxing. Kickboxing is humongous over there, as you can imagine, Muay Thai kickboxing. If you ever watch any kind of uh, ultimate fighting, anything like that today, you're going to see some version of Muay Thai kickboxing. It's just, it's, it's, it's huge. It's obviously feet and hands. It's also elbows and knees. I believe they call it the discipline of eight weapons. It's something like that. But it's, it, it's huge over there. And they're obsessed with it. What, Chris? Isn't it Pacquiao's thing? No, Pacquiao's a regular boxer, man. And Pacquiao's from the Philippines. Good grief, Chris. Be more culturally sensitive for Pete's sake. I think he's a congressman now. He's a really cool dude. Anyway, back to my story. In Thailand, because they're obsessed with it, there is kickboxing everywhere. And I do mean everywhere. And we would go out to these gigantic... I don't want to call them outdoor. There were no sidewalls, right? So I want you to picture... uh, Two football fields put together, about that size. I know that's really scientific. Picture two football fields put together, an area that size. There are no walls, but there is a roof. There's definitely a roof because it's Thailand. It's the jungle. It monsoons at all times. And in this gigantic area, you would have, and I'm making this number up, I'm going to have somebody who's done this training. He's going to email me, Jesse at Jesse Kelly Show, and he'll give me more specifics. But you have a bunch of different rings set up with different kinds of kickboxing. And there's a little mini bar by every single one of these rings where you go up, get some Thai beer, say hi to the pretty girls, and you go back and you watch the fighting. And they have all different kinds of fighting. Men, women, they had uh, midgets. They had everything you can imagine. And by the way, Chris, they're they're really good. These guys, they're all professionals. They're all very good. They had all kinds of different fights. My guys were going out to see the fights, and I had dysentery. I wanted to go. I should not have gone.
Jesse Kelly show. And while I love that band, the guess who, Chris, doesn't it make you feel a little dirty having a Canadian band sing about our women? The the the, the Lenny Cla- the Lenny Kravitz version was sweet. I thought he did the song justice. Do we have that one too? Play it, Chris. See? You can you can you can hear the American flavor on there, Chris. America. Uh! <laughs> all right, all right, that's enough of that nonsense. Remember, you can always email me, jesse at jessekellyshow.com, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Your love, your hate, your death threats, your ask Dr. Jesse questions for Friday. On Fridays, we do do some stories, but the show is really just driven by you on Fridays with your questions. They don't have to be political. They can be. If you want to talk food or history or jobs or men or women or travel, whatever you want to talk about, I give you my word. I will pretend to have an answer for every single question I get on the air that day. If you do send an Ask Dr. Jesse email, just make sure you put in the subject line Dr. Jesse so it doesn't get lost in the shuffle. We get one or two more emails now than we did back when the show was on one station for an hour at 7 o'clock at night. Back to my story on getting dysentery. I'm in Thailand. I'm training with the Marines. I do get dysentery like everyone did at one point in time, but we ended up getting a night off. I, with dysentery, wanted to go out with my friends. I wanted to drink beer. I wanted to talk to the pretty girls at the bar. I really wanted to see the fights, the kickboxing fights. They were all over the place, and they were so good, and these guys were so skilled. They were just awesome. So I went. I was doing great for about, oh, 45 minutes or so once we got there. Sipping on a couple beers, watching the fights. Life is good. My buddies decide they want to go to a different bar. Forget what it was up the road. They wanted to go to a separate place up the road. I'm sure it had something to do with a girl someone had been hitting on there, but they wanted to go to a different bar up the road. Now, I do have to explain this little rule. The Marines have a strict rule. Always have it. You have it in combat. You have it in peacetime, especially when you're overseas. There is a buddy system rule. You have a buddy. He never leaves your side. If they see someone alone, outside of the base, you are in deep, deep, deep trouble. You always have a buddy with you. We take off as a big group walking towards this separate bar. Remember what I told you about dysentery? How it's not doing that thing where it says, hey, if you have time, take a moment. It doesn't say that at all. It says, I'm coming now. Everything's fine. I'm walking down the sidewalk And wham, it decides to make a visit. I, because I'm highly trained, make sure everything is held back, but I immediately begin horribly sweating, and my face is contoured with pain, and I'm trying not to ruin anyone else's time, so I keep walking for a few, and finally I say, fellas, I'm so sorry. I need to go somewhere now. And I mean now. They him and haw because they don't have dysentery and they don't know what this feels like. So finally I say, okay, I also don't have time for the buddy system. I don't have time to argue with with you about this. Goodbye. I'm gone. And I want you to picture a 6'8 Marine 
taking off running down the sidewalk at a dead sprint surrounded by Thai people who are not exactly the tallest people in the world. They were parting like Moses in the Red Sea, fleeing as I could. And I had this look of desperation, man. I wasn't going to be able to say, excuse me, you got to move. And of course, we happened to be in the part of town that had a bunch of bars because we're idiots. I go storming into the first bar, already knowing I'm going to have to use the bar in a tie bar. In a tie, I already have to use the toilet in a tie bar, and I get so grossed out about public toilets anyway. I just it's just so nasty. I storm in. I'm already dreading it. I ask the bartender, "Your bathroom?" And he says, "Out of order." I, I almost honestly, if you could die from heartbreak, I would have died at that exact moment. But I don't have, again, I don't have time to die. I don't have time to cry. I have to find something now. We are getting to a point where it's going to be a real problem soon. I run out, run into the bar next door, and the sweat is pouring out of my face right now. I'm in such intense pain. And I go storming through the door of the bathroom. I run through the bar, storm through the door of the bathroom. Oh. And what, what greets me? You see, many places are extremely Americanized over there. And I, I shouldn't just say Americanized. I know it's a big tourist destination. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, by the way. I don't think it's a place you should necessarily visit. But anyway, I go storming in there, and it turns out this was not one of the more Americanized installations in the place. I am somebody. I just need to take a quick side step here. I already mentioned briefly about the public bathrooms. I'm not a germaphobe by any stretch of the imagination, but I find public bathrooms to be absolutely foul. I know how people are. I watch these dudes. You know, you always have to use the bathroom at work or something like that, and these dudes will go in and and use the bathroom and won't wash their hands and then grab the doorknob. And those are people in front of you in a civilized environment. What are they doing in a Thai bar? Right, So already I'm grossed out to the max as I walk in the place. But I storm into this bathroom as someone who already gets grossed out by these things. And what greets me? A facility I have to use. What greets me? There's a sink. No soap. There's a sink with no soap. That alone would be enough to put me over the edge. The facilities... Oh, I'm glad you asked. There was a porcelain, but porcelain hole in the ground because the Thai people prefer to, uh, they, they squat that way. I'm sure you've seen it from the movies or something like that. That's just, that's just I can't do that. It hurts my knees, but their, their physical makeup makes it easier for them. There is a porcelain hole in the ground. There's no toilet paper. There's a garden hose that has been sliced off with scissors or something like that, about two feet long, coming out of the wall by the porcelain hole in the ground. I just had to relive that as I walked you through that little story. And I will tell you, I gave myself the the shivers a couple times walking back through this story. 
Yes, I was able to take care of everything and then went bar to bar to bar trying to find soap so I could properly. Oh, oh, yes, I eventually found it, Chris. It's just not this is not a moment I want to dwell on any longer. I don't think I'm ever telling this story again. It's it's too hard. There are some memories you can't bring up. So when I tell you I have stories about dumb things that I've done done and done dumb situations I've gotten myself into. Don't think for one second that's the only one. That's not even the only stomach parasite I've had in my time. Chris is laughing because he knows what I'm talking about now. Oh, I have a laundry list of these things. Laundry list of these things. North Koreans heartbroken by Kim's purported purported, purported weight loss Pyongyang residents tells state media. This is CNN. One, why is CNN reporting on what the state media in North Korea says? Easily the most controlled media in the United States of America. What's wrong with this country? What's wrong? No wonder CNN's ratings are in the absolute toilet. What is wrong with these people? Guess what else is in the toilet? The value of the dollar. It's bad. I, I When we see headlines like 5% inflation, you, I know you know what that means, but let's just walk through this for people who have my level of IQ. That means every dollar you own, whether that be the, the five in your wallet or maybe you're, maybe you're getting close to retirement. Maybe you got half a million bucks. Maybe you got a million bucks. You're going to live on that with the old lady for the rest of your life. It just lost 5% of its value. How long are you going to live without having any precious metals? My goodness, call Oxford Gold Group. I'm not telling you to do anything that's pie in the sky. You know how long gold and silver have held value? Oh, I don't know, forever? Call them today. And I'm not talking to you about buying a piece of paper that says you own gold. I mean actually physically holding gold. Physically holding gold from Oxford Gold Group. Call today. 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-GOLD. When you call them, they have promised me they will treat my listeners with like gold. (laughs) How about that for a pun? 833-995-GOLD. Tell them Jesse told you to call. They will take care of you. Start taking care of your money. We'll be back. Truth. Attitude. Jesse Kelly. Dare turn this off, Chris. Turn it up. Turn it up. It's the last segment, man. We got to get fired up. That is so good. It is the Jesse Kelly show. Oh, man. I This eco-terrorist in the White House. White House stands by BLM nominee despite eco-terrorism links and views on population control. We touched on it a little bit earlier. Listen. 
These people are all through the federal government now. All of them. All of them. Now, the good news is this. The tide is turning as far as public opinion goes. These people, they've been going off on this anti-American thing for over a year now. They've gone all in on it, right? How do you know the tide is turning on public opinion? Well, when the White House press secretary says things like this, you know they're staring at some poll numbers that don't look that great in the midterms. Something one of the advisors said this weekend, Cedric Richmond, he said, Republicans defunded the police by not supporting the American Rescue Plan. But how is it that that is an argument uh, to be made when the president never mentioned needing money for police to stop a crime wave when he was selling the American Rescue Plan? Well, the president did mention that the American Rescue Plan, the state and local funding, something that was supported by the president, a lot of Democrats who supported and voted for the bill, could help ensure uh, local cops were kept on the beat and communities across the country. As you know, didn't receive a single Republican vote. That funding has been used to keep cops on the beat. But at the time, that was sold as uh, these local... Oh! Oh, it's the Republicans' fault. (laughs) No one's buying that. No one's buying that. No, No information voter of any level is buying that it's Republicans who want to defund the police. Nobody. Remember, if you missed any part of the show, it's on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. On iTunes, leave a review talking about how handsome I am. I told you I read them on the air. Chris printed some off for me. Here's an example of some of the recent ones. This one's just titled, Jesse. I'm reconsidering my heterosexuality due to Jesse's brilliant looks and even bigger mind. I thought that was really accurate, Chris. This one's titled, The Richest Man in the World. If I had a dollar for every molecule of handsomeness contained in the being that is Jesse Kelly, Jeff Bezos would be the second richest man in the world. I really (laughs) thought that guy nailed it. This one's titled The Jesse Kelly Show. Informative, entertainment, entertaining, and thought-provoking. And as a bonus, Jesse is so handsome, he even looks good on the radio. (laughs) What else are we going to do but laugh? I mean... I understand. The situation is so bad at a national level. What else are we going to do but laugh? But we don't have any other choice. Should I yell and scream all night long on the radio? Would that make you feel better about our current situation? Get myself worked up into a friendly, have a heart attack on the air? I, I, what good would that do you? What good would it do me? I'm not doing it to myself. As you've probably picked up by now, this is the Jesse Kelly Show, and I don't do radio like everyone else does. I don't. I can't yell and scream all day long. Am I going to get really, really mad and start yelling about some stuff at some point in time? Yeah, I do. I can't help it. I'm a human being. But my job is to make your, your day better for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. It's not more complicated than that. That's my job. If I do that, Life will remain good for everybody. That's my job. Does it make your life better if you turn on the radio 6, 7 o'clock at night, driving home from work, long day? Does it make your day better if I spend three hours a day explaining to you how screwed we are? That doesn't make anybody's day better. It brings you down. brings me down. I can't do it, and I won't do it. Politics is stressful enough right now. 
this addiction you and I have called politics. Granted, it's a good addiction. I mean, this stuff really does matter. But this addiction is stressful enough without me telling you every single day that we're all going to die tomorrow. Eh. We have a country that's on the decline. It's on the decline because, well, the same reason all empires go on the decline. Persian Empire, Roman Empire, Byzantines, which is an extension of the Roman Empire. You name it. Same reason they all did. We got really, really rich. We got fat. We got bored. And once we got fat, bored, and rich, we lost sight of what made us so and therefore, we couldn't protect it from the hordes. We couldn't protect it from the communist hordes that came in and took it away from us. We are in a situation right now where the people who run every single one of our cultural institutions hate the country. That is a dire position to be in for a nation. We have to fight them. We're going to fight them every step of the way. We're just not going to be miserable human beings when we do it. Remember what I told you at the beginning of the show? That Olympic uh, track and field lady, Gwen Berry, dump it on the flag. Did she look like a joyful person? No, she did not. You, keep a smile on your face. We can fight commies and be happy about it, right? After all, who's got it better than us? That's all. So-